David writes in Psalms chapter 42. It says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the strong and lead them in the possession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude-keeping festive. David is saying, where is God? My soul thirsts for him. And I remember going to the house of God, shouting and praising and lifting his name. And I think we need to be like David today. We need to find our shout. We need to find our praise. And we need to worship him because you're glad and you're happy that you are here today. And he has done something for you this week. Lord, we give you praise and glory right now. Lord, we thank you for every person that has made an effort to be here today. And Lord, I pray for everyone that is dealing, Lord, with sickness. Lord, they're dealing with financial issues. Lord, they're dealing with family. Lord, I pray, Lord, if they're dealing with jobs today, Lord, that you would bring a blessing in their life. And Lord, just begin to pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. And Lord, we're going to worship and honor you, Lord, with all that we have. And Lord, it's an honor to be with you today in your house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. I told you last week, I told you last week we're going to uh, do the offering a little bit different throughout the month of September and into October. Just uh, we, we never know each week how we're going to receive in a sense. It's not that I don't know. It's just we're doing things a little bit different. Is it different okay? So what we're going to do today is there's two offering plates here beside me. And I'm going to ask you if you would. I know it's going to be a stretch for some of you, but I want you to bring your offering to the Lord this morning and put it in the offering plate as you did in the early churches. The New Testament tells us they brought the offering to the storehouse. It was not taken. And in doing this, we're going to do two things. Actually, three things. Oh, I love these young men. They are excited. They, hey, they beat you. As you, hang, hang on, brother. As you bring your offering this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to fellowship, shake somebody's hand, welcome them to Community Connection. If this is your first time at Community Connection, we just want to give you an overwhelming welcome and thank you for being here. And then if you turn your attention towards the screen, you're going to see all the announcements today. So in our worship, bring your offerings to the Lord today.
also Children's Church. Children's Church can line up and go. Children's Church. Exit the building. <laughs> Exit. Right. I guess I'll be there right. Our children's church is being dismissed. If you all would stand and worship with us again. Restore my hope. I confess I've been afraid. Remind my heart, Lord. Increase my faith. So I will run into the ways as courage comes to take fear's place with perfect
take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break i'll keep on singing your praise oh nothing, nothing can take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break i'll keep on singing your praise oh nothing can take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break i'll keep on singing your praise oh what can take away my of y'all know my story by now, but uh, I sang this song at the the Mother's Day ladies thing in May, um, but earlier this year, um, I had to have a surgery, um, and then I ended up getting an infection and spent two weeks in the hospital, um, ended up having another surgery, it was really bad, um, it took me months and months of healing. But this song ended up, um, I had to spend days in the hospital by myself. Brenda knows what it's like. Um, I would lay in the hospital and play this song over and over. Just tried to tear this church apart. Trying to tear, you know, DJ and Darcy down. Brenda's just barely making it. My mom's hauling in here now on her walker and cane with her broken foot. And I just, I try to just, you know, laugh it off. But I mean, it's just sickness and everything is just everywhere around us. And it just, it just makes me mad. You know, um, but this song, I wanted to say something beforehand, but this is what happens, and then I can't sing. So, but I want to sing, you know, I want to keep singing it, and I want you to really listen to the words, because you can't let anything shake, you know, nothing can mess with your hallelujah, that's how it has to be. So, you just got to keep, keep singing it, keep saying it, you know. So... 
now it's my turn. Can you beat me to it? <laughs> yeah. Darcy has her own. Darcy, I asked her yesterday, I said, what do you want me to sing? She said, I really want you to sing my hallelujah. And I was like, let's do it. So we've so been wanting to do it since the ladies sang. So. Right? Go ahead. What? I said, everybody, been, okay, I can't play and talk. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So as Kenya said, we've gone through a lot this year. The whole church has gone through a lot this year. Sister Brenda's gone through a lot this year. We've gone through a lot this year. Kenya's gone through a lot this year. Sister Crystal and Brother David. And I mean, it's happening all through this church. And as Kenya said, this song right here is what got me for, through the first two weeks with this. <laughs> Six days, four surgeries, didn't know what was going to happen. The doctors looked at me and said, after the second surgery, they said, okay, this is the day that determines if you have to make a decision for him to keep his leg or he's going to lose it. No wife wants to make that decision for their husband. <laughs> no husband wants to make that decision for their wife. Brother Brian was at the hospital through all the surgeries. My parents were there. His mom was there. And that day, we just sat down and we prayed. And this was the only song I could think of. I'm like, nothing's going to take what God has given me away. I'm not going to let it happen. It has been hard. It has been rough. But you know what? Satan doesn't win. Amen. <laughs> he is not going to take the hallelujahs away from this church, from my family. needs to sing this, and they need to sing it with everything inside of them, and do not let Satan win, do not let him take your hallelujah away from you. We worship you this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done, God. We worship you this morning, Lord. We give you our hallelujahs, Lord. We give you our your glory, Lord, and the honor, God. It is all about you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord.
you have your Bibles this morning, flip over to Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Actually, I'm going to start with the 18th verse of chapter 4 of Matthew. Thank you for your worship today as you 
turn there. Let me remind all the young people that are going to the Family Fun Center tonight. You need to be here at 345 uh, to be able to leave on time. And uh, we should be back around 9 o'clock, I think, is the projected time. And uh, see Sister Comanche. Hold your hand up there in the back. Sister, she's got all the paperwork that you need to get your parents to sign the permission form. And then please mark on your calendar September the 28th. Uh, that Saturday we're going to have a fundraiser. There will be more information coming out as we raise money to uh, uh, get a new AC unit. And uh, so we're shooting for that. How many found Matthew chapter 4, verse 18? It says, while walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Lord, over the next few moments, Lord, give me the words, Lord, that you have placed inside me. Lord, let it come out. Lord, the message, Lord, that I believe is for the hour. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for everyone that is here today. Lord, let them receive from you, Lord, in a mighty way. And we're going to give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start a series. I kind of actually began last week when I talked about how much do you love me. Because it talked about Peter. But I wanted to rewind the tape and pick up where Peter actually has his first encounter with Jesus before he ever got to how much do you love me, Peter, part. So over the next four weeks, if the it goes the way I'm planning on it going, and you know how I am about series, I, I try to preach series, but sometimes uh, I get distracted or... Uh, but I want to preach on Peter for the next few weeks because we can learn a lot from the disciple Peter. Because how did Peter become as bold as he was? The thing that I like about Peter is when you read about him, you realize he's just like you and me. He has his strengths and he has his weaknesses. And they're laid out right there in the Gospels for you to see. He is as transparent as you can be. Sometimes we'll read the Gospels and we'll pick out one or two of the men or women that were in them and realize they just had it all going just so great. But really underneath the surface, they were fighting their own battles. They were fighting their own struggles. And I think Peter's the same way. So to begin this series that we have to understand how Peter even met Jesus, how Peter even ran into him. We have to understand how Peter had an encounter with the one that they call Christ that changed his life forever. So we read Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. And Matthew paints this picture of Jesus walking along the sea of Galilee, kind of minding his own business. And he sees these two guys over here and they've been fishing and they have their nets. And he looks at them and says, Hey, guys, drop those nets and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. 
And Matthew says they drop the nets and they start following Jesus. Now, all of that takes a span in just a few moments, it seems like. But you have to dig a little bit deeper to really understand that that was not an immediate reaction. Because you've got to go to the book of John. John chapter 1 really details what takes place in verse 35. So if you'll flip over with me, we're going to read there and just mark it in your Bible for the moment. We're going to get there. But I want to give you some background here. John chapter 1 and 35 kind of gives the larger account. But you've got to understand that the time that is set up here. Jesus has just come out of the wilderness. He had just been on a fast. He had just had an encounter with his heavenly father. And now he was ready to begin his earthly ministry. He was to begin, ready to begin and set up his disciples. And he was calling them all together. And then I think about the word calling. Now, if you've grown up in church, I'm sure a lot of times you have heard the word calling. They have a calling on their life. But how many has heard that before? They have a call, and maybe you've told you've got a calling on your life. And they look at you and think, maybe, maybe none. I don't know yet. Or I always like this. I'm being called into the ministry. And I tell them, don't answer, run. Not really. But sometimes that's what my flesh wants to tell them. Run, run far. But we find the calling, and I'm going to go old school on you here for a few moments. This is for everybody that's 35 and above, and you don't have to raise your hand. But there was a day and time that the question around the house when the phone rang was, wonder who's calling? There was no caller ID. You actually didn't push buttons to dial out. You turn a rotary phone. And when the phone rang, you would look at each other and wonder who's calling. It's like it was a guessing game to see who could get it right. Now, again, I'm going back some years, and I was just in my preteen years that I remember that. And I remember one particular place that we lived at, it had a long hallway. That hallway had to be a mile long. And it's so funny that when I get together with my brother, as I got the opportunity to this weekend, as most of you know, he lives in New York. He reminds me of that hallway because he's telling his friends how I drug him down the hallway and put a rug burn on him because he wouldn't let go of my leg. That comes up in every conversation. But this particularly long hallway at the end of it from our living room was a one phone. How many remember we just had one phone in the house? And it had a cord a mile long, but you had one phone. And you would be sitting on the opposite end of the house, and you would hear the phone ring, and then everybody would look at each other and go, who's calling? My thought was, well, let's go answer it, and we'll find out. And so you would run to the phone, and it become like, now, again, I may be telling on myself a little bit this morning, but during those times, especially as a young guy, when the phone rang, you're, you got excited because somebody took the time to call you. 
I mean, it was like, a, wow, somebody's calling. Let's run to the phone. Then we went through a small age that telemarketers took advantage of the no ID. So your thought, now, again, I'm going to go a little old school. For all my 35 and down, you can Google this and check me out. You know I'll be right. MCI was the world's worst. They wanted your 10 friends and your 10 friends' friends and their 10 friends' friends. And finally, my in-law says, don't ever give them my number again. I don't care how much they give you off. That was the words. I don't care what kind of deal you get, don't give them my number. Because you, you didn't want them calling. Because when they call, they go, we want to sign you up for this deal. Remember when you had to pay for long distance? Now, I'm going somewhere with this, so hang with me. But the calling aspect was different then than it is now. Now, a lot of times, 99%, you know who's calling. And a lot of times now, my phone is hit a lot during the day with what we call spam. It is just, and I even downloaded a filter that's supposed to block out some of the spam because they put it in a computer now and it just randomly and repetitively and rapidly just calls number after number after number. But what happens is when your phone rings, there's no more excitement. It's just an everyday thing. There's sometimes you're like spam and you just throw away. You don't even, you don't even answer. You're just like, I'm tired. Why do they keep calling? But see, the problem is, is we want to take that mentality, and when the Lord's calling us to do something, we want to push him aside. And we want to say, you know, we don't want to, no, I'm not answering, Lord. I'm not, no, you've called too much. You've tried to get me to do this. And I love what Sister Brenda testified. The Lord's been on her about singing. I told her I'm ready when she is to sing. You know, she testified of that. But what happens is a lot of us have that same mentality that the Lord's wanting us to do something, but we come up with every excuse that we can think of possible that we don't answer the call. So you've got to get a picture here that, Jesus is calling Simon Peter to a greater work than fishing. And how do we know that? Because when we go to John, John gives us just a little bit more detail than Matthew did. In John chapter uh, 1, verse 35, the next day John was standing with his two disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, The Lamb of God. This is John the Baptist saying, Behold, the guy that I've been preaching about, the guy that I've been telling you is going to show up, has arrived. He is here. And the two disciples heard him say that, and they followed Jesus. I love what Jesus does here, though. These two guys are following. Now, this is the way I picture it. You can picture it different. These two guys are following Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says, what are y'all seeking? What are y'all looking for? What is it that you are paying attention to? You're following me, but I want to know why 
Are you following me? What is it that you are seeking? And they said this to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So essentially he invited them into the house that he was staying at there in Capernaum, there where he was spending a few days at. And they st- so they came and they saw where he was staying. Now you need to underline this in your Bible. They stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and he looked at him. And Jesus said this, You are Simon the son of John, which you shall be called Cyphus, which means Peter. And when you want to break it down, which means rock. So we have Andrew, the brother of Peter, and he saw the Messiah, but he ran and got Peter, and he goes, we have found him, and I want to introduce you to him. And I want you at that moment to understand that they spent the entire day with Jesus. Before the incident on the Sea of Galilee that Matthew talks about, they had an entire day to get to know him. Now, can you imagine this conversation? They're probably wanting to know what makes you the Messiah. I believe you're the Messiah, but what makes you the Messiah? John has been preaching about you coming. He's been telling everybody that they need to repent. He's been telling everybody to prepare because he's preparing the way of your coming. But what makes you the Messiah? How do we know this? And I just can picture Jesus telling them all about his background, all about his family. I can even think about how he would say, look, if you would only follow me for a little while, you would understand that everything that I'm telling you is true. They spent several, several hours getting to know him. And then you flip over and go back to Matthew. You find the encounter where they were, on the, by, they were fishing. And I believe it was the next day. And Jesus said, look, if you'll follow me, you can drop your nets, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, I don't know if Jesus knew a lot about fishing, but he knew how to talk to them. When you read throughout the Bible and out the New Testament, Jesus pretty much, he compared two different things with catching, with uh, discipleship. It was either farming, sowing and reaping, or it was fishing, catching people for his good. So when we look at Peter, you've got to flip back to Matthew, verse 20 in chapter 4, because it says immediately, after he invited them to follow him, immediately they left their nets. If We can learn anything from Peter this morning. The one thing that you need to understand in this encounter is Jesus initiated the call. A lot of times we use the phrase, 
I'm waiting on him. Can I tell you, he's already calling you. He's already put a purpose and a call in your life, and you're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. See, the way I picture is there's a hallway and the phone's ringing. Are you going to run down there and answer it? Are you going to run down there and pick it up and say, yes, Lord, here I am? Yes, Lord, whatever you say, I want to be a part of what you are doing. We find that Peter had a decision that he had to make. And when Jesus looked at him and said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, he was talking their language. And he was like, look, you were catching a lot of fish before, but I'm getting ready to show you how to catch men for me. But I think what truly happened is we understand that throughout that encounter, and I didn't get a chance to read this to you, but before we even got up to that encounter, there was a time that they were fishing. And y'all remember this story when they didn't catch any fish? And Jesus said, if you'll throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, think about this for a moment. There are most business people who don't like people to meddle in their business. I'll say that again. If you're running a business and you've been doing it successfully or non-successfully, but it's your business, you don't want somebody to tell you how to do it necessarily. I've shared this with you before, but when I would paint full-time and we'd have to hire crews, I didn't want the hired help to tell me how to paint if I was writing a check. I mean, good, bad, or indifferent, you know. If you know more than me, you need to go start your own business. The way I feel about it. Peter could have said the same thing. Lord, you don't know anything about fishing, but I'm going to follow you. So I'm going to throw the net on the other side of the boat. He could have got really upset, but he didn't, and we know the outcome. Because I'm thinking what happened in this supernatural encounter, Peter realized that there's something different about that man. There's something different. He's no ordinary man, and in that, I'm going to follow him. So Peter had a decision to make, and we understand that Jesus initiated the call, but Peter had to answer it. So if we take anything away from Peter, we have to understand that when he dropped his nets immediately, he began to follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing. We don't even know if Peter knew where he was going. All we know is Peter said, I'm going to follow you, and wherever you go, I'm going to go with you because you are the one that I've been waiting on. You're the one that John's been talking about, and I believe that you're the one that's going to change the world. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to fit into this piece of this puzzle, but I do know that you are the one that I need to follow. So once the Lord initiates the call, Peter had to pick up his decision and follow him. He had a whole day of really, really getting to know him. And he had to make a decision. Do you know that we have people sitting in churches that know the Bible inside and out? They are scholars, theologians, 
They can quote scripture after scripture, but they don't follow Jesus. See, there's a difference in knowing Jesus and following Jesus. And sometimes we get that confused. And we think just because we know him and we know of him that we're okay. But the Bible says that we've got to follow him. And following him is having a relationship with him. Following him is not just reading about him and knowing about him. But it's saying, Lord, I want to be everything that you want me to be. I want to find the purpose that you have for this life that I can follow you and have a relationship with you, that you are important. You're not just convenience, but you're important in my life. You're important in things that I do. You're not just secondary, but you're primary, and that I want you to know that I'm going to follow you till the end. See, Peter could have said, you know, Lord, I, I like everything that I read about you and everything that you told me. And, you, you know, you're a real cool guy. And, you know, we can hang out occasionally. You know, I really like Sunday mornings from 1030 to 12. But beyond that, you know, we, occasionally we can hang out. But I don't want to follow you more than that. He could have had that mindset. That's the society that we live in today. I would venture to say almost everyone has heard the name Jesus. But not everyone is a follower. See, we sometimes get these two things, following and fishing, reversed. What I mean by that? Because we feel like that it's our duty to spread the gospel and get everybody that we can saved. It is. Don't get me wrong. But the number one priority is we got to figure out how to follow Jesus. If you haven't figured out how to follow Jesus yet, you're not going to get anybody saved. Because it begins with you and your relationship. Because what's going to happen is you can be sharing the gospel, but if your life's not lining up, they're going to just look at you and say, why do I need to do what you're doing when it's not working and you're trying to tell me over here it needs to work? You need to understand that following Jesus is a priority, and that needs to come first. And once you start following Jesus, then people will line up behind you. How do I know that? Because after Jesus began to uh, assemble his disciples, then he began to get crowds of 5,000s following him on multiple times because they wanted to see what was going on. But do you know here in the church today that we've got to make a decision? It doesn't matter how much we know about Jesus. It's The question is, are you following Jesus? Because Peter had to make a determination in his life that when Jesus said, drop your nets and follow me, he had to decide, was he going to follow him? I used to get this a lot. People would say, you know, I, I want to follow Jesus, 
but I'm afraid he's going to call me to be a missionary. People used to say that. I have met many missionaries. Not one of them, I've, they've shared their struggles, they shared their life experiences, but not one of them has said to me, I wish God had never called me into this. So what does that mean? Because whatever God's calling you into, he'll prepare you for. And what you're trying to do is make an excuse that is not even an excuse. What you're trying to do is saying, Lord, I would do this, but I just know you're going to. See, God prepares us for everything he calls us into. He don't drop you in the middle somewhere and say, now go. He prepares you for everything that you're getting ready to walk through. He prepares you for every call. And he knew that Peter was ready for the call when he said, you know, I've spent a day with you. I've seen your heart. I've seen your uh, character. I know that you can do this. So all I want you to do is follow me. Because if you'll follow me for the next three years, I'm going to prepare you to live a life that's going to change the world. You may be thinking, I'm afraid of the call because he's going to put me with little kids. He's going to drop me in the nursery. Well, if that's you, pray real hard. But I understand God's not going to put everybody in there. See, the call is going to line up. Here's the one thing I've realized of all the times, and I'm getting to the age that I've seen a lot now, so I can say this with pretty confident God's not going to put a call on your life that he hadn't prepared you for and it doesn't fit your personality can I just be transparent this morning in a sense if you'll just follow Jesus you don't have to worry about everything else he'll prepare you for it you can't worry about the unknown because if it's the unknown it hadn't happened yet you're wasting energy But if you'll just determine in your heart, like Peter did, I'm going to follow Jesus. And immediately, they left their nets, and they followed him. I don't want to get ahead of myself in my series. But you've got to understand Peter's mindset. He left his livelihood behind. He left his income behind. He left the one thing that he knew how to do, he left it behind. Because Jesus made that impact on him that one day. Left him behind, left it all behind. Because he knew. He knew that Jesus was going to do something miraculous through his life. I don't think he knew how. I don't think he knew what the outcome was going to look like. I truly don't think he knew all that he was going to go through. But he determined that day he was going to follow Jesus. Because too many of us, 
that know about him, but we haven't got it in here. We haven't got it in because when the first obstacle happens, we want to bail. When the first obstacle of life comes, we want to give up. I know you all remember that game we used to call follow the leader. When you were little, you could go under the swing set. You could crawl through the monkey bars. Now that I'm older, I would get stuck in the monkey bars. They, I, I, I don't know that I got bigger or they made them smaller on the last set I was on. I just didn't fit in between the bars like I used to. But we would do everything. If you were the leader, you would do everything that you possibly could to get the other people to drop off because that was part of the game. But Jesus is not like that. He says, follow me. Now, it's not all going to be a bed of roses. It's not always going to be easy. But if you'll keep following me, you keep following me, I've prepared the way. Now, most of you know, when it comes to following, if you're, on the, if you're following anybody on horseback, you want to be the second or third guy in line because they take all the cobwebs, whoever the first person is. They blaze the trail. What am I trying to tell you this morning? See, if we follow Jesus, he has blazed the trail in front of us. He has cut the low-line limbs down. He has taken the cobwebs. If you've ever walked out this time of year and they, you don't see them, but they just hit you. You're like, oh. He's taken those away. Because he's blazed the trail, and I think he looks behind us, and he keeps saying, come on, we got greater work to do. Keep following me. we got things to accomplish. Don't quit. Don't stop. I'm getting ready to close. Sister Darcy, get ready to play. What happens, though, is we get bored following Jesus. It seems day after day this following you is too tough. It seems like I'm not going anywhere. It seems that following you I've had to give up too much stuff. If you could only hear him say, oh, but it's for your own good. It's for your own purpose. I want you to live successful and if you'll follow me. If you'll follow me, I've got great things in store. Don't get distracted because you're going to pass things along the way that's going to pull your attention. You're going to pass things along the way that tries to keep you busy. But don't get distracted. Keep your eyes on me. Now, how many of you have ever tried to follow somebody through the city? And they'll go right and they'll go left and they'll turn and and you're like, you're trying to keep up, and you're trying to figure out which way did they go. Sometimes following Jesus 
you can't get distracted because things are moving and he's got you there for a purpose but Satan will try to distract you but you got to keep your eyes on Jesus how come I know that because here in a few weeks Peter's getting oh I'm getting ahead of myself this is the reason the series are tough for me because I get ahead of myself but see if we keep our eyes on Jesus Peter's going to step out of the boat and start walking on water because he's keeping his eyes on Jesus see he's still even in the middle of the lake he's still following Jesus he still is accomplishing what has been set out to accomplish the purpose that the Lord has put in his life if he'll only follow him I preached I say preached loose I had a devotion yesterday for the men and the Lord laid on my heart that we need a toolbox of spiritual gifts the spiritual fruits that you find in Galatians chapter uh, 5 verse 22 and I talked to him about how when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, that we need to exhibit all of these different things from love to kindness to long-suffering and self-control, and that we need to have those in our spiritual toolbox. But if I could tell you one thing this morning, if Peter had a spiritual toolbox when he began to follow Jesus, I think the one thing that he had in that survivor kit, in that toolbox, I think he had a GPS. I think he had a compass that pointed towards Jesus, that when he looked at it, it told him where Jesus was at, and he would walk toward him. You say, that's far-fetched. Well, you can think that, but if we're going to stay in relationship with Jesus, we need a compass to point us toward him, and that compass for our life is the Bible. And if we'll get in the Bible, we'll understand what the Lord is trying to tell us. When we'll get in the Bible and begin to read his word and allow it to uh, just penetrate our heart, we'll understand what it is to follow the Lord. I want to get you away from just knowing about him to actually following him. And understand he's going to initiate it. In Revelation, this is my last verse I'm closing with. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He's talking to the church in Laodicea. I'm going to go ahead and read you the verses 14 because I want you to understand why he says what he said. He's talking to the church in Laodicea and the words of the amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the beginning of God's creation. He says this. I know your works. I know your works. You are neither hot nor, you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you would be one of the other because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I will spew you out of my mouth for you say I am rich. I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, blind, and naked. Poor, blind, and naked. I counsel to buy you for me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich in white garments, so that you may be clothed yourself. The shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent 
And this is the part I want you to get. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I am at as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He is standing at the door and he is knocking. He is initiating a call on your life. The first call is, have you accepted him as your Savior? That's the number one decision that you have to make. If you haven't accepted him as your Savior, you need to do that today. And then once you do that, you'll de determine that I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him. No matter what obstacle, no matter what monkey bars I've got to climb over, no matter how many times I've got to run up and down the slide, no matter how many times I've got to go through the and around the trees and over the limbs, no matter how many times I'm going to follow you, Lord. You stood at the door and you knocked. I'm going to answer. If you got nothing out of this sermon, take this home with you. It's not good enough to know him. You've got to follow him. As you stand to your feet, go ahead and sing this song. Trust what you said, that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. I to you this morning. If you say, I'm tired of just knowing about him, but I want to make a decision to follow him today, I want you to raise uh, your, you don't have to raise your hand, I want you to come down here and stand on the altar. If you have a special need, I want you to raise your hand and we're going to pray for that need today. But if you want to say, I want to move from just knowing him and to following him, I want you to come and we're going to, I want you to stand on the altar and we're going to pray with you. But if you raise your hand, keep those hands up. 
We're going to pray for you right there where you're at. If you've got a special need in your life, if you see somebody near you that's got their hand raised, would you lay your hand on them and just pray for them today? Maybe just move across an aisle or a seat. Lord, I give you praise and glory right now. Lord, you see every hand that is raised. Lord, you see, Lord, every person, Lord, that is represented here today. Lord, that said, I have a need this morning. Lord, you know, Lord, what that need is. Lord, you know what they are experiencing, and you know and you have the answer to that need today. And, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would send an answer and send a blessing for that prayer request. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus, powerful, all-knowing, Lord, that you would send a miraculous miracle, Lord, to everyone that has their hand raised today. Lord, we're going to give you praise and glory. Lord, we're going to worship and honor you today. Lord, we're going to praise you. Lord, we're going to thank you for all that you are doing in the lives of your people. And Lord, I pray for anybody that's ready to move from knowing and to following, Lord, you. Lord, I want you to help them make that leap. Help them make that decision and that step. In Jesus' wonderful name, praise your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. sensed your presence and I knew this was the place where love abounds for you are the temple Jehovah God almighty we Standing in your presence on holy ground. We are standing yes. on holy ground. 
treasure and at his feet peace of mind can still be found if you have a need i know he has the answer reach out and claim it child you are standing on holy ground we are standing on holy ground and i know that there are angels all around let us praise jesus now we are standing in his presence on holy ground we are standing in his presence on holy ground we are standing in his presence on holy ground thank you He's in our midst, church. He wants to do work in your life.
can you just lift your hands towards heaven and worship him for a moment? Just thank him for his presence, for his word. Thank you for his confirmation and his edification of the church, what the church's purpose is for.
going to continue to they're going to continue to worship you stay as long as you want to if you need prayer come down here and we'll pray and uh, i just hope you have a wonderful afternoon god bless you <laughs> 